everybody. Uh, it's Topher here. We got some different episodes for the next couple weeks. I sent Adam and Chris off on some adventures because I'm doing some dad stuff this week. This week, they venture out to Welcome Back Records to talk with our friend Morrison Agan about running a record store. Next week, they'll be hitting up the Indiana Guitar Show, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> As always, be sure to like and subscribe, or leave a comment on whatever platform you prefer. Be sure to check out our Teespring store for uh, merch, and check out our Patreon as well. All of those links will be in the descriptions. And now, on to the interview. Thanks, everybody. Hey guys, this is Adam from Woodwire & Watts, and we are here with Morrison Egan uh, in his new record store. Welcome back, Records. It's nice to see you. Thanks so much for having me. We'll go right into some questions and and, uh, and see where it takes us. Sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, previously you owned Neat 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 Records, mm -hmm. and then and then kind of stepped away from that. Uh, so, how did you decide to kind of jump back into the record business and open a new store? Well, sure. So, I sold Neat 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 in 2019, and the purpose of doing that was, um, you know, wasn't that I like was sick of the record business or anything like that. I had another company that I was starting up that did something totally different. I was developing an audio device that uh, would be used for um, for home theater, for television, film, and, and to, to uh, kind of increase the clarity of sonics and things like that, of different receivers and televisions and things like that. And um, just as we were starting to get our first round of kind of friends and family funding, happened to be in the middle of March of 2020. And I don't know if you guys heard about this thing called COVID-19. Uh, yeah. Sounds familiar. Puts, yeah. puts a wrench in things. Yeah, yeah. So that, that kind of uh, stopped us in our proverbial tracks. And, um, and since then, you know, I worked as a producer at Barry Street Records and, um, uh, you know, did some soundtrack work for some folks and did some... Uh, you know, audio editing and, um, and then started building record racks for people and that kind of took off. And, um, you know, eventually as the couple years went on, what I was seeing from my friends who were still in the industry was that the, their stores, like in 2021, were doing better than ever in the midst of this COVID lockdown and, and things like that. Like every one of them was in the black, you know, uh, which is not, necessarily the case in normal yeah. circumstances like things were just really really popping off and so um to me it just felt like you know what this is a thing that a i know how to make a living doing this and b i had heard from a lot of customers and people in the community that just like hey you know uh, we kind of miss you being in the community and mm -hmm. we you know if if you were thinking about coming back, it'd be a great time to do it. So I just started looking around for, for spaces and this space in the iconic and infamous Wildwood <laughs> Liquors building in downtown Fort Wayne on Broadway uh, was available. And I reached out and, and talked to the uh, new owners of the building and they were open to um, seeing the, uh, you know, showing us the building and, and saw our vision and what we wanted to do and, and went from there. And so, one of the things that's interesting about this that's different is that I partnered with uh, actually my stepdaughter 
uh, and her partner who run Deadstock Vintage. And so they do vintage clothing and shoes. And I do Welcome Back Records, which is, of course, records and music gear and, and things like that. And it's a really, really great partnership because our our clientele, um, you know, there's like a maybe a 70 percent crossover mm-hmm. where about 70 percent of her clientele and 70 percent of my clientele are shopping at both stores, as it were. And so uh, and it adds to both of our 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 client bases. So it's really interesting. Yeah, I bet it probably somebody who knows that, you know, they're getting vintage clothes probably will come in here going, oh, hey, there's records here, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, it probably happens a lot. Yeah, and vice versa. Yeah. Just like, oh, are you guys selling shirts and you know stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you think nice. that's, you think that's uh, partly like a like a sense of maybe like nostalgia with, with vintage and vinyl? and Well, you know, so vinyl is has, both new and used has, mm-hmm. has been climbing back up slowly but surely since like 2006 Mm -hmm. you know so i still hear from people all the time man these records are really making a comeback aren't they i'm like yeah for (laughs) For like the last 15 16 years you know like we took a we took like a 15 year break as a country (laughs) from (laughs) buying records and then it kind of kick-started back up and 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 i think honestly as a as a backlash against mp3 culture Mm -hmm. you know um I know there's been, sorry, oh, sorry, no, go no, go ahead. I, I know there's been, like, <clears throat> with the whole COVID thing, like, you were talking about how all these uh, other companies are still in the black because of it. So, like, what we've seen is these collector markets have skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Um, has the, have you had any problems getting the vinyl? Like, have the, like, the places that are printing them, are they having any trouble? Or? Oh, for sure. Oh, are they? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, talking to a friend of mine who uh, works at a pressing plant out in Virginia, they are booking into Q2 of 2023. Like that's when they're pressing stuff. That's when their stuff's gonna hit the press and then it gets delivered eight weeks after that. I was was talking to um, to, uh, uh, another local musician recently that just finished an album. They're like, oh, we're gonna release it on vinyl. And I was like, okay. Next year. Like I have to wait a year and a half to release the album I finished. It's like, oh man, that's like planning for that's gotta be. It, you know, and the thing is, is that you can't just like get on the books while you're in production, unless I think you're like a major or a major mm-hmm. minor. You know, so no what I what I call like a major minor would be like a sub pop or a merge or something oh, like yeah, that, yeah. right? They're still an independent label, but it's sub pop, it's merge, it's Matador, right? Mm-hmm. It's Rough Trade. Um, I think for those, you can probably like get in line without having tapes, mm-hmm. but for mortals, you have to. When you're when you're getting in line, you're sending them everything. Mm-hmm. So it has production has to be done, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mix mastered, ready to roll, mm-hmm. and you're sending them all that stuff. And then they're like, "Cool, you're in line now. See you in 14 months." Jeez. So, um, uh, so that's just kind of how that works, you know. Um, that's that's just the case. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, like, uh, looking at the previous story, you had neat, neat, neat. To, and comparing to now, yeah. is there are there anything that you took from that experience here that uh, that you you stuck with, uh, or are there any any uh, anything you've changed or you're doing different? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, when you're just starting out in any business, you're gonna make half a dozen costly mistakes 
uh, as you're getting rolling because it's not like you have somebody there with you holding your hand saying like, do this, don't do this. Mm -hmm. And you also tend to be stubborn anyway and, and <laughs> think that in your brain mm -hmm. stuff's gonna work out fine. And, and it does all work out fine in the end. Mm -hmm. um, but I've made all those mistakes and so I don't have to make them again. I've already, I, I know what's up. And so that's, um, that's kind of the, the major thing there is just making, you know, just knowing, Hey, this is the, this is what is, is possible and reasonable. And, um, you know, so there's things that I, in terms of curation, there's things that I pass on, there's things that, uh, I plan for much further in advance than normal mm -hmm. than I normally would. Um, you know, I plan for, I plan for pressing plants to not have records at distributors, right? So like when I place an order with, I'll just throw out any name. Like let's say I place an order with Stone's Throw, right? Mm -hmm. And I send them a purchase order that's for like, I don't know, $2,000. They might have only about $750 worth of stuff to ship me, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I have to plan for that in my head. Now sometimes I get surprised, you know, and just like, oh, it all showed up, that's mm -hmm. cool. Um, but, uh, you know, and then also managing expectations with your, with your clientele and, you know, saying like, I'm going to order this stuff. I don't know if it's in. I don't, they're sh showing yeah. that they have it on their B2B, <clears throat> but I'm not actually convinced that yeah. it's there until it is in my hands. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when it leaves there, it's going to take a week and a half to get here and vice, you know, just yeah. on and on and on. So, yeah. And you don't know how many people are ordering it at the same time, other stores. Exactly. You know, we got a couple thousand record stores in this country. Yeah. And uh, not everybody is doing business with everyone. Right. You know, my thing has always been like, I want to do, I want to do business with as many places as I possibly can mm -hmm. um, because it tends to, allow me to curate a little tighter and it also allows me to keep my prices low for the customers who are coming in you know if i'm if i'm buying from what we call a one stop which is a imagine you have all these record labels and all these distributors and they're all selling at their costs to this other place who then has to have their profit margin to sell it to you you know those costs tend to be higher and so that makes your cost on the floor, it could add four or five dollars to a record, right? Mm -hmm. And the difference between, you know, buying a record for twenty one ninety nine on the floor or twenty seven ninety nine on the floor might make the difference between somebody picking it up and saying, Awesome, or picking it up and saying, Uh and putting it back in the yeah. rack. So I'd rather people walk home with records than not. Okay. So no, totally makes all day. You were you were talking about like not making the mistakes that that you know you might have previously, right? But you said so. Um, uh, you your stepdaughter who's doing the the dead stock vintage. Do you, are you do you have a direct hand in that? Like, are you guiding her? Is she had a business before? No, she's not. Had a, okay. She's nineteen. Oh, okay. So this is her first shop, okay. and so I am, I I'm not a member of her LLC or anything yeah, like sure. that. I'm not a, I'm not a part owner in mm -hmm. dead stock at all. That is her and her partner Isaac Sparks. Uh, her name's Caitlin Dostel. Uh, they're great kids. They really um, do some fantastic work and, and uh, uh, they have a really keen sense of curation and what they put on their floor. And, and, but I do mentor them. Uh, I give them ideas of like, if it was me, 
-hmm. here's what I'd consider, you know, like they have a $5 rack over there now. Like I told them like a $5 rack will pay your rent, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and those are the things that you, when you're buying 300 pounds of clothes, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a hundred pounds of that. That's like, it's probably not going to hit your wall, you know, but it's like your dollar records, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, uh, there are people who just come just to buy dollar records. They're not, they're not looking in the tops of the racks at all. They're just like, I want to dig and see how many copies of whipped cream and other delights you have. Cause I'm looking for, I'm looking to cover my wall with Herb Alpert records, you know, like who knows? Or, uh, if you remember, uh, yeah, let me have every piece of Irish folk music you have. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh Yeah. Or, uh, I, I remember, um, uh, those from Fort Wayne know who Ben Carr is. Yeah, of course. You know, he came in and bought like 40 Barbara Streisand records from me at one shot. <laughs> like, like, it like wiped wow. me out of Barbara Streisand. I was like, thank you, Ben. Because <laughs> that stuff that just shows up, you know what I mean? there for a reason. Yeah, yeah, that stuff just shows up, so. 40 records, $15. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. I was just like, man, I, I was thrilled. And, uh, you know, just like I've told any of my staff here, it's just like person who's coming up and buying a bunch of big band or Barbra Streisand or something like that, something super common. They're just as important to they're just as important to our business as somebody who's like a major head, you know, yeah. somebody who's like buying all the Stones Throw hip hop or buying stuff off the off the high end wall or, or or whatever, you know. They're 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 just as important part of our business model as anybody else's. So yeah. I, no- I noticed uh, seeing on social media the thing that you're that you're dabbling and selling some some music gear. Yeah, looked like saw some some pedals and effects and things like mm-hmm. that. Is that is that is that a is that a market you're trying to get into, or is it just kind of a? For sure, yeah. Um, so I have a really long history of selling audio equipment mm-hmm. um, with Needy Neat. I sold lots of hi-fi, mm-hmm. lots of turntables from Music Hall and Project and Denon and Pioneer and Marantz and Kenwood and all the big players and um, lots of receivers, lots of speakers. I carried Wharfdale and I carried Emotiva and and uh, um, oh, a few, oh, Yamo. I carried those guys for years and, and lots of stuff like that. And so uh, um, uh, in the in the era of COVID, I also taught myself how to really get in and repair gear on a component level. Mm -hmm. So I have quite a bit of stuff that kind of needs a little bit of love. And so I'm in the process of putting together a service counter here so I can dig in and and do some component level repair. Um, Big shout out to X-Ray Tony B. If, If you are even kind of interested in like learning how to repair Marantz receivers, Pioneer stuff, really weird oddball stuff, stuff that doesn't have a schematic or a service manual. X-Ray Tony B is, he, the way he educates people is like a five-year-old could figure it out. And it's awesome. Oh, that's cool. he, but he he taught me a lot and I owe him a ton whether he knows it or not. I'm he's, assuming here in town. Does no, he no, he's out in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. He's a YouTuber gotcha. and, and okay. Patreon guy and stuff like that. Nice. And so okay. uh, he's he's fabulous. He's fabulous. I, I literally, the first receiver I ever did, I did a full recap and transistor swap on a Pioneer SX1050, literally watching his five-part video series and just doing it all the way through. And it was it turned out perfect. It turned out perfect. 
right. Yeah. Okay, I got something I got to look up. Then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, killer. Yeah. He's killer. So, we'll so that gave me a lot of confidence <laughs> to be able to get into stuff and start doing repair work and stuff like that. But I've also been, you know, a guitar player and a bass player for a long time and pedal nut and, and stuff like that. And so uh, there's really not another place in town where, you know, you can kind of do, you know, used pedal swaps and stuff like that. And, and um, um, you know, we carry the third man stuff too, like that Bumble Fuzz. It's, mm -hmm. that's, that's a bad bitch, man. That thing is a killer. It's awesome. Is that, so. the, is that the novelist one? Yeah. 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 Just turned it on and that's it. And it's wild. I played, so. one, I played one of those at Third Man in Nashville. Yeah. 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 Back. It's, it's fun. Cool. It's fun. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, like, um, you know, I, I love doing stuff like that, and, and if something shows up it's a little squirrely, I can generally get into it and, mm -hmm. and make it right. And uh, um, even stuff that doesn't really have service manuals and stuff like that is not all that hard, unless it's something that's like itsy-bitsy tiny components like Line 6 stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like all wave soldered and everything's like the size of a grain of rice. Like, mm -hmm. okay, well... Probably not doing that one. <laughs> so. Oh, that's probably you know, like the boards are probably cheaper to just replace that on. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it's device. it's all yeah. it's all itsy bitsy tiny wave soldered you know stuff and you know. When it comes to when I, what as far as records and vinyl goes, are do you have a do you have like certain like niches that you try and um, sit in, or do you just kind of do everything? Yeah. So. Um, First off, I want to carry records that my clients want to buy, mm -hmm. period. Um, there's things that I personally love. I also know that just because I like it means absolutely nothing, right? There's plenty of stuff out there that um, that I like that does not have a market here in this city. That's, that's the nicest way I could possibly say mm -hmm. it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, limited marketing opportunities. Um, sorry, my... My uh, my capitalism is showing. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the um, but yeah, just because I like it means absolutely nothing. And um, but like I've always had a really strong jazz clientele. Um, I discovered that I had a really strong hip hop clientele, and so I've really worked hard to develop, uh, uh, you know, our our hip hop creation and just trying to keep it in stock. Man, it gets hit like a ton of bricks. Um, I um, I also you know really love psychedelic and progressive rock. It falls in and out of favor over the course of years, and um, you know, uh, but I still just love it. Um, of course, uh, you know, kind of newer indie rock. We are slowly but surely curating um, that kind of stock and and bringing more of that stuff in. Um, you know, again, you have to kind of take that a bite at a time if you try to just do that stuff all at once that you know you kind of lose your mind a little bit um and uh um you know that's that's kind of that's kind of that you know i mean uh we do a ton of used stuff too we do just absolutely i, I buy collections every day you know whether it's gear records things like that you know like last saturday we bought like 1200 pieces from three different people you know oh, so like we had tons of used stuff in here and I'm just wrapping up pricing it up uh, you know we do I, I do stock and curate a lot of punk and metal and and because uh, I Makes know sense. that yeah. stuff really well and and we we've I've always had a really strong clientele for that we've got a great scene here for stuff like that and, and then also really making sure that we uh, uh, maintain relationships with um, our local scene too, you know, and making sure that we're stocking 
all sides of of those coins and and just bringing in as much uh, uh, local material as possible because there's we've got an incredible amount of talent in the city and that put out great records and you know there's only about 50 studios in the, this town that you can go get an album done at um, you know uh, everybody's got one in their bedroom everybody's got one yeah. in their bedroom and then you've got guys like Dan Canaly at Chip Tooth Audio that just started and he's yeah. got he's incredibly talented I've known he's doing an excellent job. I've known Dan for 15 years or more you know probably probably more more like 20 years uh, I've known Dan for a really really long time and and he, he's uh, he's a very talented cat and who's doing really really cool work he's kind of picking up the mantle of where uh, Barry Street Records uh, left off because Scott Rottler just moved to Nashville and is now part of Wild Feather Records or Wild Feather Recorders mm -hmm. and uh, and then before that where Jeff Montgomery and Ensemble Room was at you know mm -hmm. um, who did all the great punk and metal records in this city you know did Graves the Endless Fall and did Grave Robber did uh, of course, fog and and uh, just tons of great stuff in here. So yeah, there's lots of uh, uh, yeah. He also did a macabre record that was really cool. You know, um, it's the only macabre record I like. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's there's uh, you know we've got some really 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 great recording studios in this town. Of course, Jason Davis with Off the Cuff, who's yeah. you know a full analog studio. He just moved into a new location. Uh, he'd be a great person for you guys to interview. Um, Dan Canaley. Yeah, did you? On. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Dan's, Dan's great. Jason Davis would be great. He's been doing it for a really long time. He did uh, uh, Addison Egan's first record. He did James Drifter's record with me. He's done Left Lane Cruiser and, um, you know, all the Pete Dio stuff and just tons of really, really good stuff. So, yeah, he's he's very sharp cat. Kind of change of pace here. Uh, so some, being someone who's done vinyl for a long time mm -hmm. and has and has a good good uh, background with, with audio, like hi-fi gear and all that. Mm. Uh, for somebody who's getting into vinyl, who's going out to buy their first actual physical uh, media, like, do you have like recommendations to start for like a record player? Oh, sure, or, or, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, first off, I'm never gonna like shit on somebody's turntable that they already have. You know, I'm gonna play the records very well after that. But yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, there are certain turntables that you can get that will ease your your frustration with the media because mm -hmm. it's you know this is a physical media. It requires uh, you know a, a physical manipulation mm -hmm. of of the media, and, and so you know a lot of the suitcase players and and I guess I'll throw it out to you know Crosley and they're like you know mm -hmm. and let's be fair like Crosley doesn't actually make them they get made overseas and Crosley brands them mm -hmm. and that's the same yeah. thing like if you see anybody with that style they're all coming from the same factory oh, yeah. right they're just like oh, yeah. it's either Crosley or Victrola or whatever whoever bought what name yeah. right because like mm -hmm. Crosley mm -hmm. used to be like a big radio brand name right and then somebody bought the brand and the imagery mm -hmm. same with Victrola same with um Alan and Heath is actually like that. Really? Alan and Heath used to be a funeral home. What? Uh, and <laughs> and once a business in the UK, once a business is out of business for a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. somebody can buy that name. And that was just like literally somebody just like, okay, I'll buy Alan and Heath. And then they made wow. mixers and shit. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love so, that. So, yeah. It's, it, um, that was a story that I heard many, many years ago. So, um, so those, those turntables, 
the major complaint I get is that when people are buying new records, like new albums, not necessarily classic records, but like the new whatever, mm-hmm. um, that those units will skip. The problem is, is that those new records tend to have a much greater bass response. Mm-hmm. And those cartridges that are in there are fairly antique style of ceramic cartridge. The cantilevers tend to be very, very stiff. Mm-hmm. And you cannot adjust the weight on them. They, it, it is what it is. So it might be five or six grams of downforce or more mm-hmm. when really it should be like a gram and a half, two grams, right? Mm-hmm. So my recommendation is I always, um, when I talk to people about audio equipment, I tell people, look, any audio system is three components. And I don't care whether it's a Crosley or whether it's the theater at the Clyde. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. You have a source, mm-hmm. which would be like your turntable, this microphone, mm-hmm. um, an eight track player, whatever. Some sort of amplification, which we can call a receiver, an integrated amplifier, preamp, whatever. Some sort of amplification. And then loudspeakers. And that's it. And a Crosley has all of those in one. Um, a console has all of those in one. It's just huge and cumbersome and <laughs> probably don't work. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I generally recommend what we call a component system. Turntable, receiver, and speakers, right? And so um, we've had pretty good luck actually with some people who want to cut out kind of a, a, one of those pieces, like maybe they're gonna use a set of um, powered speakers that have a volume knob on them and then go from a turntable that has a phono stage built into it. So they can go from the phono stage directly into the powered speakers and still have a volume knob. Cool, man, that'll work, mm-hmm. right? Um, generally like an entry level first, you know, Fisher Price, my first, my first turntable kind of thing, yeah. uh, would be like the eight, the um, Audio Technica ATL P60, right? Yeah. They're like a hundred twenty dollars, something in that neighborhood. They have a switchable turn uh, phono preamp built into them, and let's talk about phono preamps in just a second. Okay. So, just because I want your listeners to understand what that means. Um, and then they can go into powered speakers or whatever, and uh, and that's a reasonable system. So when we talk about phono stages, um, Chris, would you grab that silver box up there for me? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's just box. sitting right on the right hand side of that counter. Yep, that guy right there. Yep. This is just a, a generic, rudimentary phono stage, and so. Um, when you're coming off of a phono cartridge, it is a much lower output level than a line level device, right? Like a CD player or anything like that. So it needs a lot of gain. Uh, a, a line level device puts out roughly a volt. Okay. A moving magnet phono cartridge puts out five microvolts. Between three and a half and seven and a half, but yeah. In the middle, five microvolts. Needs a bunch of gain, right? Like 40 decibels of clean gain, right? So a box like this, if you have a receiver that doesn't have a phono input, or if your uh, um, turntable doesn't have a phono, switchable phono stage, will do that for you. So it just has moving magnet input, little ground neural for the ground wire, because you gotta put that in, because if you don't, you'll know. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> And then your your line level RCA outs that go to the line level input on your receiver. 
if you use this and then plug it into where it says phono on your receiver, it will sound like the apocalypse <laughs> because it's then going through two gain stages. Mm -hmm. Phono preamps also do something else because when records are cut, they're cut using an RIAA curve. RIAA is the name of an organization that is recording industry, yep. something, something, America, whatever. America. <laughs> um, and so what that is, at the frequency point of 1K, mm -hmm. there's a slope that cuts your bass frequencies by 15 decibels and heightens your high frequencies by 15 decibels. The reason for that is that's when it gets cut onto records because a record actually is the physical kinetic energy, it's potential kinetic energy, right? Physical um, uh, manifestation of the waveform that's then gonna be produced through the speakers, right? Mm -hmm. If they did it full uh, at full bandwidth, the grooves would have to be like that wide, right? Because bass frequencies response, take so, yeah, so yeah, much yeah. more yeah. physical space, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So they cut that by 15 dB, they heighten the high frequencies by 15 dB because high frequencies don't take that much space, right? Like a, a 20 hertz sine wave is 60 feet long, mm -hmm. right? For, for a 20 hertz sine wave to be heard in a room, mm -hmm. yep. that room's gotta be 60 foot long for it to make that cycle, right? Yep. Um, and uh, so when it goes back through this, that frequency curve is flipped. So it adds back that 15 dB of bass cuts that 15 dB of high frequency, then gives it that 40 decibels of gain, and then it comes out sounding flat, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, you have to have that RIA curve, you have to have that gain. I cannot tell you how many phone calls I have taken from people who said, I plug this turntable into my receiver and I don't hear nothing. <laughs> well, it's because they're plugging it into like an auxiliary input yeah. and they've got no phono stage, right? Mm -hmm. They're using an AV receiver or something, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to have some sort of phono stage in there, whether it is internal inside the turntable or this. I've also sold phono preamps to people who have had a phono input on their turntable that has been flipped on and they called me and be like, this sounds horrific. Like, it sounds like the bowels of hell. Like, yeah, see the little flip on the yeah. back of your yeah. turntable or underneath the platter mat where it says phono or line? Turn that shit to phono, right? <laughs> and then it's like, oh yeah, that sounds real good now. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no you kidding. You those easy fixes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's, that's like 90% of the time. I had one phone, I had one, uh, I, I will absolutely never mention this person's name, but this person came in and purchased a, uh, turntable for their spouse and had it all set up at home and stuff like mm -hmm. that and then called me and they're like my spouse is in the garage I'm not letting them in but this turntable's not working right I'm putting the stylus down it's just skating across there I'm like I'll be over there in like 10 minutes man I'm like okay he's waiting in the garage I'm like okay fine so I go over there go in the front door and then I pulled off the stylus guard off the <laughs> off the <laughs> cartridge and then put it down and said okay cool that's great and she's like oh my god I feel so dumb I'm like don't worry about it it's okay. You're like one of the lucky 10,000 today, right? You just learned that mm -hmm. that's yeah. the case. So you'll never forget it. You'll now. never forget never it. It's fine. Them. So uh, yeah, it's an easy mistake to make. Don't worry about it. You're not the only one. So uh, anyway, so yeah, there's, uh, you know, but then, you know, I do get phone calls that are n not that any phone call or any question is illegitimate, but you know, that there have been like legitimate problems with a piece of gear and, and their question is like, oh yeah, man, that's, 
that is in fact really screwed up, you know, like let me come out and take a look and, and do it. For mm -hmm. So anyway, I hope that answered any of your questions. Well, so yeah, yeah. so great. your question was turntables. House calls? Is I've that, done house calls oh, okay. for sure. I'm doing a house call after this. So I'm gonna go look oh, okay. at a collection Fair here. Enough. So, yeah. so, um, so the, uh, uh, so yeah, that's like ATLP60 is like kind of your where you get started, um, and then you know, uh, there's lots of really great 70s and 80s manual turntables that are out there. There are some good. Uh, fully automatic turntables where you push a button and mm -hmm. tone arm will lift over. You just have to be kind of careful because all that automatic operation, those are the things that are going to get screwed up. The more moving parts you got, the more maintenance it takes. And, you know, and then also when you're looking at vintage gear, vintage gear is like vintage cars. They need some love, right? They're going to need service on occasion. You got to change the oil. You got to, you know, make sure you're doing a transmission flush. You got to make sure all the nuts and bolts are tight. You know, mm -hmm. and and I tell that to everybody who buys a piece of vintage gear, like this is a great piece of gear. You will need to service it at some point. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. Right. Oh, you want to talk about the history of the building a little bit? Oh, oh yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. yeah Please. Sure. <laughs> Let's see that. I yeah. was wondering about this. Yeah. <laughs> so we are in the former infamous uh, Wildwood Liquors building. And this was initially it was a giant grocery store, like the name brand name Giant. Okay. Um, it, huh. Back in the 60s, right? Yeah. And so starting in 1980, Wildwood Liquors started. And it was infamous for being held up all <laughs> the time. Part of it is, is uh, now, when I say this, there's some people who are in the liquor business who get offended. Um, <laughs> but uh, when you have what I would call a, um, a predatory business, um, and not saying that everybody who's in the liquor business is predatory, but you can be predatory and be in the liquor, liquor business. And mm -hmm. this one was one of those places. It's open till three o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and they're real cash heavy. You're developing a culture that lends itself to that, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Um, you know, all the people are walking around here strapped and, uh, um, and, uh, one of the guys who worked there for like 15 years, he literally lost a finger, got shot off. Um, uh, you know, he said, we never got held up before one o'clock in the morning. Never once. Nothing ever happened before one o'clock in the morning. Between one and three, forget about it. Mm -hmm. It was wild west in here. So uh, we'll get a shot later, but I have one of their 25th anniversary shirts that says, shoot on into Wildwood Liquors with bullet holes on the back. <laughs> Uh, we'll get a shot of that. And I'll give you a tour of some of the bullet holes that are actually in the windowsills and in the door frame. They're still there. In fact, I'm very sure that there's a shell still sitting in the door frame. So when I decided on this building, I had a lot of people who were real concerned for my safety. Like, man, you know, that building's got a bad history. I said, yeah, we close at 7 p.m., man. Like, we're not going to have that problem. Yeah, so the the... <clears throat> guy came in who he'd worked here for 15 years, lost a finger and uh, um, yeah, just, just telling me about all the crazy hijinks. Mm -hmm. um, so when this building was, this building was privately owned by the people in the liquor store, there's a few apartments upstairs. Those were sold. The cap and cork company bought it primarily, I think to buy the license the liquor license okay. uh, and pass that along to one of their other stores. Mm -hmm. 
and then also take the inventory and disperse it, and then sold the building almost immediately to a guy who actually lives upstairs who's going to turn this into a barber shop. And then he had a bunch of health problems and wasn't able to do that. So it sat empty for like six or seven years um, with the iconic signage outside yep. that people have been asking me if they can purchase. Uh, <laughs> so uh, things along those lines. So um, the, uh, you know, we've just been, um, so I basically, I looked through tax records to see who owned it and reached out to the folks and and just said, hey, um, have you ever considered renting out the retail portion downstairs? And they're like, oh yeah, like cool. It's because not like there was a for rent sign yeah. out front, you know, I just, I had to be resourceful, which if there's any personal gift that I have, it is extreme resourcefulness, <laughs> you know, be finding the people who, who do certain things and, yeah. and uh, you know, trading favors. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, I then, got a chance to see the building. I was looking at a couple of other places too, um, but this just like kind of sang to my soul a little bit. Great parking lot. I'm imagining like some really cool summer parties out there, you know, and it needed some love, you know, like we painted the ceiling that took like 10 days and 11 gallons of paint. Wow. It was a lot of work yeah. to do that. Uh, I never want to do that again. Yeah, this was um, a drop ceiling in here before. It is a drop ceiling. Oh, it, oh, okay. Oh, wow. You can't yeah, tell because I painted it black. Paint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is, it is drop ceiling. Un, above that is fairly unattractive. So normally I despise drop ceilings. And if, I, if, I, if it would have been feasible to do so, I would have pulled that all down and went all the way up. Mm -hmm. But it just, uh, it, it's not feasible to do that. So it's like there's a reason for that drop ceiling. So I decided to keep it in there. And the ceilings are tall enough. They're pretty pretty high ceilings so um and then uh you know got together with uh, my stepdaughter caitlin and figured out color schemes and stuff and um set up their shoe wall for them and set up you know behind the counter and i built the service counter and built all the racks and redid the floors and um you know in terms of cleaning them up and stuff like that and and uh yeah it worked out you know it's it's a it's a really nice cozy space people feel really comfortable here I'm, I'm bringing more record racks in so we can have more space for more stuff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to start doing books too, like music themed books. Oh, cool. Um, cool. like, uh, you know, there's, there's of course all the Henry Rollins stuff. that's really cool. And all the white, all the, um, third man records books, they have a huge book catalog and it's all awesome. There's crazy cool stuff in there. Um, and, uh, there's, you know, a few other companies that I've, been looking to, to pick stuff up from and then also to you know to buy on trade you know if somebody's got good music theme books I am into it bring them to me you know um, you know all all cool for me man I'm, I'm into it so um, yeah so that's that was kind of it's kind of it you know so but yeah I'll give you a tour of the bullet holes yeah that'll be yeah. awesome yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you want to do it yeah, yeah sure yeah. let's cool. do it Hey everybody, Chris here. Just wanted to say thanks again to Morrison Egan for uh, letting us check out uh, Welcome Back Records. If you are listening on one of the audio platforms, 
You might jump over to the YouTube side to check out the tour we did with Morrison of the uh, of the store. Um, it's pretty cool. I didn't end up putting that in the audio side since I didn't figure um, it doesn't do y'all any good if you can't see what we're looking at. Anyway, that's been uh, our episode for this week. Uh, again, next week's going to be a short episode. We're going to be at the Indiana Guitar Show, um, so stay tuned for that. Thanks!